Sokka, my only brother. We constantly roam these icy South Pole seas, and yet never do we find anything fulfilling. All I want is a full feeling in my stomach. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> is food the only thing on your mind? Well, I'm trying to get it out of my mind and into my mouth. I'm starving. <laughs> this is pathetic. My jokes are way funnier than this. <laughs> I think he's got you pegged. Every day, the world awaits a beacon to guide us, yet none appears. Still, we cannot give up hope, for hope is all we have. And we must never relinquish it, even, even to our dying breath. <laughs> well, that's just silly. I don't sound like that. <laughs> oh man, this writer's a genius. It appears to be someone frozen in ice. Perhaps for a hundred years. But who? Who is the boy in the iceberg? Waterbend! Hi! Yeah! Welcome once again to the Bidgerders podcast. We are a queer Avatar The Last Airbender superfan podcast. Uh, I am Derek Reining. Uh, and as always, I am joined by someone who is always down for some wacky, time-wasting nonsense. It's Sam Standish. That's why I'm here every week. That's what I do professionally. <laughs> um, yeah, love to waste my time. Waste Hashtag waste his time was so two years ago, and now it's hashtag waste your own time. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that was a thing. That feels like 10 trillion years ago. Um, talk about wasting time. Uh, but... We are also joined by someone who has been described as an incurable prankster. It's Michelle Bennett. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Wink to the I'm audience, just, cross I'm your just, legs. Yeah, I'm always just pranking, pranking, pranking people. <laughs> Pranks are my favorite kind of comedy. I think everybody can agree that we love a good prank. We love, I love a brutal prank. <laughs> Just a prank. I, I love a dangerous prank. Something devious. Yeah. Uh, something Squidward putting SpongeBob in a trash can level mm -hmm. of just pure malice. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, I just love to get one over on my pals. Yeah. There's nothing I love better than um, being the the deceiver. You know, of mm -hmm. being being know that I have the intelligence to absolutely scam someone. Exactly. That's the high of a prank. Plus, you're demeaning them too, so they just feel a little oh lesser, God. and you feel a little higher. <laughs> People say truth that. in comedy, but I say lie, 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 lie. And get I the say laugh. lies in pranks. <laughs> That's the opposite of truth and comedy is lies and pranks. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm more on that spectrum. I'm more of the lies and pranks. <laughs> To be sure, it's like a it's like a quadrant. You, mm. you, know, you lies the truth and comedy the pranks. Mm, mm, exactly, mm. that makes sense. I feel like this episode though definitely falls in the comedy section of the quadrant. Just segue. Least. 
Uh, absolutely <laughs> i love going on other people's podcasts and realizing how bad maddie and i are at segways <laughs> it's just like absolutely shoehorning stuff <laughs> sometimes you have to do it sometimes there's not really a way to jump from where you are to where you want to go and you there's just have no to be like, a to c no yeah. speaking of, <laughs> dot, dot, right. speaking of whatever just came out of your mouth um, <laughs> yeah. that's a thing and so is this <laughs> exactly that's a great transition um, okay that's my new go-to yeah, go-to's are a thing and so are the ember island players which is the episode oh. of avatar we are here to discuss <laughs> this whole episode is just segue it's just brainstorming <laughs> segue. Bottle, bottle, bottle. we never get to talk to what we're <laughs> talk about. exactly um, <laughs> wow uh yeah so uh this was uh, an episode specially requested by yourself can you talk us through why this episode just really speaks to you yeah, I think when I was younger, like being a young theater kid, I was always mm. just like, I love the theater and I love <laughs> when we get a performance. Um, but I also think it was, um, uh, I love seeing them be teens. Like I love like the the beach episode when they like go to the party and it's just like, I love a refreshing. And the fact that this is the penultimate episode is like so fun that it's like stakes are so high all of book three. They're about to escalate and be in the most dangerous situation that they've ever been in in the ultimate episode. And so now it's just fun to see them like not really worry about getting discovered and like be in their Fire Island costumes and like just go see a play together and like um, and see their journeys, right? Because they kind of just see everything in front of them. And it's also, and as an adult, I think I appreciate it more because it's like a, a bit of a Shakespearean moment where like the play within a play, it's not a play, it's a series, but like, you know, to have the, the crazy mummer actors, um, blow everything out of proportion is is such a fun element to a kid show and like all of the little secret nods that they have to like what's happened like how the show poster looks the same um you know what i mean and like they acknowledge plot holes like jet's death <laughs> it was like it wasn't quite clear and they like address fan like commentary and stuff it's just like such a it's just such a rich episode that's so fun but has low stakes where you can just like appreciate everything that's happened and everything that they've been through in like this really fun way um so it's just it's just a blast i completely agree and i feel like this was the first time i ever saw something do something like this where i was like i would never seen a show or tv sh a book or anything like that like poke fun at itself in such a meta way and bringing in like fan commentary into the universe to like yeah. make this new thing so it really just like knocked me out plus like you said like it's so low stakes and Sokka even makes a meta joke about how there we haven't done this like time wasting nonsense in like a long time and that's so true like I feel like the last time we'd had like a such a low stakes episode was like the runaway when Toph was being a thief or whatever and that was so long ago like for the invasion before the nightmares and daydreams like the, there was and even then they're like all in like uh they're just like running from the law so it's like they really haven't done just like a fun hangout episode like this in a long time and mm -hmm. to do it in this way is so cool and great yeah it um brings to mind something almost like uh like communities like um clip show episodes where it's um like it's 
kind of a play on that idea of like let's look back at what we've done before but it's like actually high production value like this episode is really gorgeously animated um and i just yeah like the fact that this is the penultimate episode like we said it feels uh like in the day and age of like hbo shows where it feels like the penultimate episode is like the big set piece of the whole series like of the mm -hmm. whole season and then the like the last episode of this of the season is like set piece for the or like setting up pieces for the next season after that it's nice that this is like hearkening back to a time when that's not how tv was structured where the yeah. finale was the actual finale of the show it's also funny to think about how like when i was a kid I act like I wasn't like a straight up teen when this I was out, but um, but like I never oh, yeah. really watched. I was never really sure of the order of the episodes because it was like I just like caught it when I caught it when it was on Nickelodeon, right? So it was just like when I saw this episode, I was like, I'm obsessed with this episode, and I don't know where it falls in the book. <laughs> um, I was bad at like tuning into shows, I guess, because I was always like at some stupid extracurricular activity, and then just caught up when I could catch up, and. So then when on net when I was on Netflix and really conceptualized that it was the second to last episode, I was like, holy shit. I was like, that is not what I expected at all. But I also love it. And it's also just like this. It's such a nice like I feel like I'm notorious on your pod for bringing up like historical elements or, mm. or geopolitical elements. But I feel like <laughs> this is but it's just like so funny to think about, like, if this happened in this world in this universe of course it would be oral history you know what i mean when there's no like this is how the story of like this mythic figure that actually existed would be told and of course it would be used as propaganda within the fire nation which was like a scary element watching it back as an adult i was like this this must be why are they not like pissing themselves that these people like believe this about them you know what i mean or i'm rude or i'm rooting for the fire lord you know what i mean and they don't really have a conversation about that really am i going into spoilers or can i say what i'm saying no, no i think that, no i think you're totally good i well it's been interesting this whole season they've done a couple things about like fire nation propaganda and they never yeah. they to mine i feel like they never really have dwelled on it very much but they do like put in just like pieces of the culture mm -hmm. that are just like looking at the royal family as gods and just like it's like the huge statue of ozai i always think about and all that stuff just like they they just they don't really think about it or talk about it it's just like a part of their society right yeah. and it, the show trusts like its young audience to understand that that's what's happening because like you could see easily see like a kid being confused by the idea of like why are they cheering like ang's the hero so it's like asking you to kind of put yourself in the place of these fire nation people and understand that they of course they're going to be happy when ang who's like the guy we're rooting for gets <laughs> annihilated by a gigantic wave of flame um yeah it's, I yeah. I almost wish that they had talked about and maybe this is me having read too much fan fiction that does cover what I'm about to say they don't cover and maybe they <laughs> wanted it to to be covered by the fans but they don't say like what's going to happen when we have to if we win and we govern these people that weren't rooting for us like right. what do we do that's like, interesting you know what i mean it is not unanimous that the avatar is the one that's supposed to restore peace and justice you know what i mean and that's who everyone is rooting for over the fire lord you know what i mean like this antagonistic like militant nation um like fully is the the people that are now in your nation like didn't want yeah. this and like think that you're the bad guy so what do you what do you do how do you rule them definitely you... like because 
to their like to these rich civilians of the Fire Nation, like they are at peace and they would be at peace if the if the other side would just not be at war with them. Yeah. And so it's interesting to think about like what their mind is like when or if they were to like the other side were to take out their leader. And they don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um it's that would be definitely like an interesting conversation for them to have, but it's like Aang's too busy um pining for Qatar, I guess, this whole episode, which is like a very uncomfortable situation for everyone involved. I feel like um like you you feel a little bad for Aang because you get it, but I, he's also like very, very upset by the idea of being portrayed by a woman. It's very <laughs> yeah <laughs> really stood out to me yeah meanwhile Toph is like so on board with casting changes and she's just like look if it fits the story like we can do whatever we want with whoever's portraying me <laughs> right yeah it's funny because like yeah ang is usually you would think he'd be like totally whatever like he's just like here to have fun but i think it's just the fact that it's a way to like diminish his feelings for Katara or like paint himself in a light that isn't flattering for Katara to see like you understand why he would be upset but um I don't know if I were being portrayed by Rachel Dratch like uh he is in this episode then I would be very excited <laughs> I didn't I did know that she was that. Rachel Dratch yeah that's the the voice is Rachel Dratch yeah I love that that's so right. amazing <laughs> I recognize a lot of the voices but I couldn't quite place them Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I was the was Great Delisle Katara. I felt like that was. I think so. Yeah, because her um, voice. Well, my favorite thing, my favorite, like there, I there was a lot of interesting things being said or like done tacitly <laughs> with the actors who are playing the characters on the play. But my favorite thing was that like the woman playing Azula is a terrible <laughs> actress. <laughs> yeah, but like Great Delisle is like an incredible voice actress, which I just thought was very funny for them to do. Yeah, I love yeah, the all of the acting in the like play is very hammed up, which I like. Um it and the effects, I love the practical effects too. I like as a play, mm-hmm. I would be pretty I'd be clapping at the end too, honestly. Like they did a great job. I don't know what Zuko was talking about. Wonderful yeah. three acts. Yeah, Wonderful that was that's was something I've found interesting is the fact that like Obviously, of course, if like the show is going to retell its own story, it's going mm-hmm. to tell it in this three season structure that we know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to think about it from like an in-world perspective. Like it's interesting that even in this world, that's how they're delineating between these events is like the exact same way that the story is told to us. So it's fun to think about this idea of like, is are the events of the show being shown to us like the actual things that happened? Or is this also like a story that's being told to us? um it's it's mm-hmm. <laughs> very uh like layers upon layers of like meta text of like what how much is real how much is like a story being told to us um so mm-hmm. i like that idea um yeah i love fun that. things to think about recursion <laughs> of the brain <laughs> i love the fan service of uh of zuko and katara uh, because I, that's what there's so many fan things that I like didn't pick up on where I'm like they just like address all of it. It's so perfect because I am a big Zutara head. Oh, Same, yes. huge vibe. Like, like uh, to this day, I feel um, like this episode is a huge Zutara head. Like they they didn't they point that in the real world they 
showed Katang being terrible. And then like in the universe, the people who are writing the story of these people want Zuko and Katara to be together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Or it's like as their chemistry is so strong and Katara and Aang's chemistry is so weak that all these people that they went to to get the story from were all like, yeah, totally. Like those two, there's no way they're getting together. Those two, however. I do wish, and I feel like this would have been very like um circle jerky of the writers to do this, but I do like they mentioned the person who wrote the play multiple times, and then we don't mm-hmm. ever like see or meet this person. But I would have loved to like meet this character who is like um the person who went around the world getting all these stories and like trying to <laughs> figure out who's who and like what they do or like, I don't know, like they just introduced this concept and I liked it, but they never made good on showing us who put this play together. Right. Yeah. You could see, I don't know, like a little sequence of him talking to the cabbage guy or whatever. Maybe that'll be one of the many, many properties (laughs) that we get from Avatar Studios is the story of the playwright. (laughs) Like a like a documentary about putting the play together. That would be good. That would uh, be so funny. It could be like High School Musical, the musical, but in the world of Avatar. I, you know, you're so speaking true. my language. Uh, I felt like this episode was like randomly the best Toph episode of the entire season. Like I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't understand, like out of nowhere, I feel like Toph has gotten like one line in every episode so far this entire book. And then this is like the episode where she has like, depth and like she's very funny and she has these this conversation with Zuko about Iroh and all this stuff and so it's just like uh, randomly in this like meta level episode we've been talking about how Toph has been like fading into the background all season suddenly she's like one of the best characters on the show again exactly in in an episode where she doesn't earthbend even once exactly Listen, comedy where is where she really flourishes. I have a theory that Toph is a Gemini rising, if you can believe that there's air somewhere in her chart. And I really believe that she's Gemini rising. Um, obviously, um, a Tor- a Taurus uh, sun, but I think that she's Gemini rising. So in comedy, she's just, she's here for it. Interesting. I don't know what Gemini Rising means, but I do know that I am a Gemini Rising. <laughs> Same. Yes. Really? Okay, so oh, yeah. We, I forgot we have that in common. You I'm too. Gemini Sun, Gemini oh. Moon, if you can believe it. I'm oh, also Gemini t- Moon. Holy God. I've never I'm met like, someone. I've never met someone else. <laughs> I've never met someone else with two Geminis in their main charts. Hey. Yes. Just but yeah, do- it's horrifying. <laughs> Does the evil energy cancel each other out when it comes to the double Gemini? Maybe. Okay. Well, I feel like I've said this on every fucking pod I've ever been on, but my three signs are get ready for this Gemini sun, Gemini moon, Scorpio rising. Ooh. So, like, I feel like there's too much evil for <laughs> anything to ever get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> And for me, I'm I'm Gemini Moon and Gemini Rising, but I just put my double fish Pisces over top of that and just be like, Huge. I'm just like a magical water boy. <laughs> <laughs> and don't talk about what's uh, going on underneath. Just yeah, fair enough. Terrifying. Um, <laughs> Virgo Sun here, so I've never made a mistake in my life is the real moral of the story. So true. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So speaking of magical fish boys, though, love the giant koi Zilla costume. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, I loved that. 
That's so cute. And it was so creatively done, too, like Mm -hmm. to have the little tiny boats on the stage. That was great. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, The Oppa Lion Dance was was everything. We we only get to see that once, which is is sad. Um, Yeah, I love that. A nod to uh, Chinese culture with the lion dances. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. Happy. And Momo Puppet, also cute. I love that they just had him talk because why the hell not? Yeah. Needed a mascot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've like, to, I mean, I guess this is kind of harping on Aang, but like to, to, to go to, there's a part where Zuko and, and Katara are in the Crystal Caves. And okay, first of all, I'm like, who spoke to someone about what happened there like was zuko like talking about it a lot when he was back in the fire nation or like who told this writer all that went down in those caves anyway there's a part where zuko's like but i thought you were the avatars girl and then they cut to ang and he like physically nods. yeah i love it <laughs> which i was just like <laughs> yeah it's like that's your that's your read on the relationship between the two of them. I know it's like Aang is has never been more of a twelve year old boy than in this episode. Honestly, yeah, yeah, um, yeah so true. And it was, yeah. I, I, and it was good that the, like he was very immature, but like they also did, in this episode where he's being watching himself being portrayed like as a Peter Pan kind of character who like is forever young, and they have the whole like he he's like been twelve for like a hundred years. So like I thought it was very those were very interesting things to like think about and stuff I'd never thought about until this time watching the episode. Right, like what's like it's interesting to think about like do people understand why he is so young? Like for all they know, it is just because he is this like mystical creature who will never age or whatever. Um and well, I, they, yeah, they did the water bending. Hi yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was so Out of the iceberg. funny. Yes, I yeah, so many fantastic catchphrases in this episode. Instant classics. Um, I think probably the one that people always think about though is of course like that final stinger at the end of mm. like wow this sucked but at least the effects were nice just because of how um prescient it was of yeah. the live action movie that was coming down the pipeline mm. <laughs> yeah that's fair that's so funny <laughs> but unfortunately the movie didn't even have the effects so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you mean when everyone like 10 people have to bend one tiny rock like that wasn't mind-blowing cgi to you Slap a pal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's one of my favorite things about the effects. Thick Katara was everything. Oh. I love thick Katara. Very high, like the uh, the like cut of her um, like side slits on her dress, uh, like all the way up. High that? dress slits, low hanging cleavage. A <laughs> lot of cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like who was feeding the guy those details or was this some horrifying thing that he came up with for himself or was this maybe the actress was like i'm gonna be i have to be the hottest katara <laughs> I, to, <laughs> to me my instincts say that like they made it like that because i think katara in fandom is probably the most sexualized character mm. and so they were like of course in this caricature interpretation of the events she's hypersexualized and so they gave her a completely different body type because it was like oh that's the actress that would get cast to play her because people sexualize this child in the same way that they sexualized like Hermione just because she was the woman in the group right, right. even though she was like a teen girl um 
That's I, definitely that's, a good point. I feel like that's my instinct and in, in what they were were doing for sure. Seeing, yeah, I had never thought about it that way, but that makes total sense. That like even in the play itself, she's like, well, I mean, not. I was about to say she's like part of this love triangle, but in the, the act, the uh, her character very clearly prefers one over the other, like we said, um, mm -hmm. as she should. But like she also, but she's also with Jet in that in those yeah. scenes too. Very so like they true. kind of just portray her as like a woman who will go after anybody. I mean, other than Aang, but like you know, <laughs> I yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it from that meta perspective of the actress. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I also do love Jet's uh, hook hands. <laughs> <laughs> just these weird, bizarre little details that you like instantly mm -hmm. catch like, Oh yeah, this is like how this is like someone told someone told someone. And that's how we ended up with a hook handed jet. Like, I just love those little details that don't go like outright explained to the audience. Mm. <laughs> it's great. I do. Um, and news travels fast in the fire nation. Like the, <laughs> <laughs> the story to all of the Fire Nation for several months was that Zuko killed Aang in the Crystal Caves. But, Ooh. like, he told his dad that it was actually Azula who shot the lightning at him. And mm -hmm. then, uh, and so, in, and, like, obviously they want to start painting Zuko as a bad guy, like, as soon as he, like, defects. So in this story, like, they are putting out the word that it was actually Azula who took down the Avatar uh all those months ago and not the horrible, horrible boy who defected seemingly for no reason in the play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really skip over Zuko's uh, character arc in the play, sadly. Um, yeah. But I do love his hair journey though. They did keep tra track of that nicely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really funny. And With it a looks good split ends joke as well. Yes. Mm. <laughs> um, and I love that it's like each wig also had the scar like attached to it. That's great costuming once again. Mm -hmm. But they do go back to this idea of the people of the nation not knowing who the royalty is. Like they get the scar on the wrong side and the Zuko runs into that kid who also thinks that he's like done his costume wrong because mm -hmm. they're like so far removed from the noble class right yeah like the like even on the poster like we said like it's on the wrong side too um it's yeah funny to think about the idea of like the crown prince of this nation is like they can't even get what scar is right or what yeah. side of the space the scar is on you'd never be able to pull off this now what with our paparazzi culture exactly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, like we said before, it's a shame that we don't get to see what would Aang be like on TikTok. Like, we, we always have wanted to know. So true. Probably he would be like, doing prank be videos uh, <laughs> yeah. daily. Yeah, he's definitely a lies, lies and pranks sort of guy. <laughs> exactly. Whereas Sokka is more truth and comedy, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. I loved I, when Sokka went and pitched a bunch of jokes backstage <laughs> and then they got told and he was so happy. Exactly. Me too. And I'm glad that the actor who played him was not afraid to improvise. Like he just dropped a new line into the play. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. No, with no rehearsal. No fine. No fine for that, which is not the way it would happen on the great right way. Broadway. <laughs> he would certainly get fined. Oh, Do no. actors get... <laughs> build for like making messing up yeah oh oh my yeah. god because it, it could mess up everybody yeah 
So true. Yeah, thankfully, like stick to the script. Mm, thankfully for him, there was just like this dead air scene where Katara's like weirdly just looking around, and Toph was just standing there. Oh my um, god, man. I agree. I loved Sokka going back and talking to his actor. I think that it, Sokka has been the most like, well, he's obviously the comedic relief and like has said the most meta things because he's the comedic relief so far. So it makes sense that he's the one who goes and meets his actor. Um, and I love when they're like walking away. He's like, who, the actor's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm just a guy who likes comedy. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. we see each other. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. I'm just, I'm just a patron of the arts. <laughs> I love that. Right. It's so and good. Mm -hmm. And I love Suki just, you know, just being totally game and ready to do uh, whatever. I was just going to say, we really get to see the women be really mature in this episode. Um, I feel like maybe most episodes, but definitely in this one, because Suki was like, you know, not jealous. You saw Aang being really jealous of that love triangle. And then was the, the scene when Sokka was kissing Princess Yue or whatever. <laughs> she was like, wow, you never told me that. Like, this is like very <laughs> funny. Um, when I feel like when I was younger watching it, I was like, oh, she's going to be so mad. And like, right. Sokka's going to have to explain it. And like, how is she going to compete? And she's like so secure in herself. And it's just like, of course, Sokka has like a past. You know what I mean? Um, and and she's the only so time the only thing that made her mad was when Sokka was like getting on her bed when she was, he was like, well, you got defeated by Azula too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which was, and, yeah. Yeah. When she was like, you guys lost a lot. <laughs> and he's um, like, yeah, well you were a prisoner of war. And she's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So true. Um, messy. um, and then, um, we saw Toph be really mature with Zuko, who's obviously having a breakdown and explains why he is so upset, which was just so valid and makes sense. And then she obviously is like really mature and comforts him and is earnest for the one of the only times in the whole series. <laughs> um, and then at the end, Katara, Katara is like, and he's like, we were supposed to be together. And he's like mad. And then she's just like, literally, we are saving the world right now. Like, I cannot even think about like relationships or any of that like there's so much more at at stake and i i really relate to that i feel like because i feel like i'm always just like i can't even think about romance right now <laughs> like with like partners i'm with and stuff i'm like why are we having this discussion about feelings <laughs> when we both have to write pilots like <laughs> um the way of the world i feel like katara in this episode goes hand in hand with last episode southern raiders where she was like what we ultimately talked about was how she's like a 14 year old girl dealing with this like question of should she kill someone or not she's like dealing with so yeah. much the whole time and so she doesn't know who she is or what she wants right now because she's dealing with such bigger and broader topics than like who to kiss <laughs> i also feel like katara's <laughs> the like i felt like the, the it was like jokey and satire -y, but i felt like the portrayals in the play were like pretty well done and like pretty accurate but i do feel like the katara character is watered down in a way that i don't think is as accurate as the rest of the characters. Like even just rewatching over the past year, I don't think that I would immediately be like, Katara, she's the girl who makes a bunch of speeches about hope. Like I, that's just not like how I would talk about her character in like one sentence, but that's what the play did. Am I, do I, I feel like I don't know if I'm, if that's good or if that's accurate or not. 
Yeah, but I feel like it's a caricature in the sense that it blows up their most extreme factors, right? So you have like, she's obviously like had romantic interests in the series. So it makes that this ridiculous, like blown out of proportion thing. And she does give speeches about hope. And so like when when they said that, I was like, wait, she does do that. That's like, that's very funny. Like now that you say that out loud, like you you have done that at most locations <laughs> um, throughout, and, uh, throughout the series. Um, and so I think it's just kind of like blowing up those most absurd elements of them, right? So not necessarily like, that's not how I would describe Katara either because she's so hyper-competent and like, um, and like is so much more than that, but like it just blows up the easiest things to blow up, right? Those most polar extremes in terms of like emotion, um, that is what's easiest to play on theatrically. So I feel like that was more of the vibe I got from the show in terms of a caricature than like, this is Katara's ethos. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's um, true. I, well, I also feel like most of the other characters who were satired on the play have been joked about on a meta level by other characters like major like Zuko's honor has been something that Azula yeah. has made jokes about and people have talked about before and like Aang is like he is a 12 year old etc so like I and like Sokka talks about food like I feel like all that stuff has been present in the show before but they've never talked about Katara's things other than her hair loopies really <laughs> before this episode right mm -hmm. I think to me I that's always been something I uh, that like has been weird for me. Like, yeah, I agree. Like the headline for Katara isn't really giving speeches. Maybe in book one, I would understand that because of like her in the Haru episode for sure. Like, okay. She was making a lot of speeches in that episode. <laughs> um, but I feel like I like, to me, I would think like, what's the worst version of herself that Kat Katara could see up on that stage. And it would be yeah. the version of herself that Toph, tried to like throw at her which is this idea of the mother of like being overly protective like being the spoil sport the wet blanket who like tries to ruin everyone's fun like that to me would be like the caricature version of katara um but on the other hand tear bending is a fantastic word and i'm glad we got it <laughs> yeah so the other alternative <laughs> i would think of is like if she was just like super angry the entire play yeah. like, i think that those are more attributes that I might think about, but mm. still a really great portrayal of uh, how it all went down. Um, <laughs> I did want to bring up Maddie's favorite line since she couldn't join us today. R.I.P. Maddie Smith. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> she, she's still alive. Don't um, worry. Which is um, uh, my favorite line is got a pretty good loom at you. I think she meant look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I assume I was like they'll know where that was. Was it got a pretty good look at you? Yeah, I, I, I don't. Know, I, from when she wrote that, I didn't know when that was from the episode. No, okay, she blew it's it. From, it's from when Toph, uh, Toph's actor screams and then mm. says, "There, got a pretty good look at you." There, but okay, an erroneous typo turned it into a weird. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember when there's a tapestry, but <laughs> but my friend behind will. the scenes. <laughs> moment when during the production of the play got a yeah got a, pretty good look, got a pretty good look at you yeah that's so funny i forgot about yeah, how, yeah, yeah. they just randomly say that top does yeah. sonic <laughs> she's yeah sonic, so she's yeah i love she says it's and the actress says it so like matter of factly of like yeah i use i admit a supersonic wave from my mouth i love um, that yeah like sci-fi 
uh, techno babble stuff. It's really fantastic. Um, I, I love that Toph loves her portrayal because it is a really fun portrayal. Yeah, um, I love it. And yeah. Obviously, also Easter egg. Toph was supposed to be a dude or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, like we said, like the women in this episode are like very secure in themselves, or at least are like they. Uh, like Katara obviously is like bugged by her portrayal in the play because it just doesn't feel accurate to her. Um, but she doesn't like dwell on it. That's not her issue in this moment. Her issue is with Aang trying to like force this issue when she has so many other big ideas going on, like we said. Um, and the three men are like, Sokka's literally giving notes. Zuko is just like um, very upset by seeing his own mistakes thrown in his own face, like he said. And Aang mm-hmm. obviously is just like completely over it, um, mm-hmm. which I love the little detail of he's wearing this like fun little hat the whole episode. And then when he's like, really at his lowest point in the episode out on the deck with Katara, he like tosses his hat down and like has his arrow out. Like that's mm-hmm. very significant. Um, Cause like we know, like he was that in the first episode of the book, he was very against the idea of hiding his arrows because it meant so much to him. And so of course, in this moment when he feels like his identity is being misrepresentative, mm-hmm. misrepresented, he's going to try to get this off so he can like, announce to the world like no this is who i am um, wow they also don't want to have that ugly... literary reading of this <laughs> yes, thank you they also don't want to have that ugly hat in the shot where he kisses katara so he had to take it off <laughs> that's that's also so fair um yes. I, I mean thinking about it now yeah like ang is mad because he feels like the play is inaccurate and zuko is mad because like it's a little too accurate and Sokka <laughs> is like here's how we can make the play better <laughs> yeah i'm just a man who loves comedy <laughs> and then all the girls are like looks good to me honestly uh, no notes <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> well this guitar is in a little bit of denial yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. I, yeah and ang who's uh, like trying like in this episode presumably is trying to woo katara like does not do much to like comfort her in that moment when mm-hmm. she's like i'm not like that at all right he like very sarcastically is like no you're definitely not that annoying <laughs> like oh, so okay funny. this is the girl you s- presumably want to spend the rest of your life with right and you're trying to woo her right yeah. now <laughs> like man i just remember being a kid and like wa- watching this episode and being like good now now zuko and guitar are gonna realize that they should be together and now they're gonna hold hands at the theater which is (laughs) what which is what i do with my boyfriend of two weeks in middle school exactly (laughs) (laughs) this is where it all begins (laughs) yeah so you all you all in middle school we all have that moment where the school puts on a play that portrays our life in front of us Uh and then in that Um, moment we have a lot of self-reflection and we start holding hands with each other yeah it was all about what other people thought. If other people thought that should happen, then you would do it because it was all about what other people thought of you. Exactly. <laughs> Perception oh. is reality. Perception True. is reality. And I also, yeah, I do also like that Aang's solution to Katara being like, I don't know what's happening. Is like he mm-hmm. in his mind is to just like do this big romantic gesture towards her. Like that's how mm-hmm. he thinks he solves the problem. Um just not tough, tough look for Aang in this episode. One of the worst moments of the show to me, and not even as like from a, sh- like obviously I don't like the ship and I ship something else for one of the characters, but just awful to like see this girl be like, I'm romantically confused. I don't really want to think about it right now. And to have her close her eyes and then have this guy kiss her anyway, it's just like, ugh, 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 
bad yeah. on, on any level. That happens a lot in the fanfic. In the in Zutara <laughs> fanfic, Aang is always like, I want to kiss. And like always like, <laughs> like, but obviously they're aged up in most of them, but like is always way too aggressive and crosses a boundary. And like, that's how you kind of are like, uh, you see him as an antagonist. Um, and, and Zuko and she, as the protagonist. That makes sense. So she has to go mm -hmm. to Zuko for comfort to find someone a little more gentle. Well, yeah, I I feel like in the one that I really like, there's already like um, a huge attraction between the two of them. And she is like, so he's with May and is like bored with May. Duh. <laughs> oh, duh. And then um, and then uh, Katara is like a little bit like overwhelmed by the intensity of Aang's affection for her. And it's kind of just like, I don't know if like this is really meant to be because we're I see you more as like a brother, like in the play. And then um, he, his aggression and like insistence drives her away. Well, and that then, sounds pretty accurate to me. Yeah. And then she and Zuko are like, wow, I didn't think that you liked me. And they're oh. like, of course I liked you. Remember when we went penguin sledding on our, <laughs> on our uh, diplomatic trip to the Southern water. Track? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds magical. It sounds like a great. I'll uh, send you guys links. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I. Uh, I don't know. Uh. Well. I mean. Speaking of May, though. Um. Gotta shout out to the great once again costuming. I love her little emoji that she has going on with the and the hair knives. Mm -hmm. and I Tylee's tutu. Tylee and May got off scot free in this uh, play retelling, and they maybe they didn't get the news quick enough to change the ending of the play, but it feels like they their legacy is not taking the hit in the Fire Nation history that you would think that they would. I had such a good thought. Uh, maybe it was just good to me. If this was a musical, Tylee and May would have such like would have like the the. It would be, I guess it would be towards like the, it would be in the rising action of the musical, but it, it would be such a fun number, like by these like uh, side characters. And like, it would be called like, um, like pressure points or whatever. And um, <laughs> Ty Lee would be like all sexy and be like, I know right where to hit up. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. really sexy. And like she, and then May would be also sexy. And I think <laughs> like would also would be a little bit more like grumpy or, or serious or whatever, but it would be like a showstopper number that doesn't really have a lot to do with the plot. You know what I mean? But it's just like, everyone loves that number. I it's so fun. I totally know what you mean, and I do feel like the song in the musical where, like, Azula is going and recruiting them, and, like, I just think that that number would be incredible and just has so much uh, potential there for these, like, introducing, like, these three characters basically all at once. Mm -hmm. I think that it is, like, I don't know what it would be exactly, but I just, I, I like, there's just so much potential there for an incredible, yeah. incredible musical number. Yeah. Very oh, shades of beep. Wait, what was it? Sorry, uh, Tylee's song would be the tits and ass of um, a chorus line. If you mm. are familiar with a chorus line at all, that would be the musical. And then if you're familiar with Mean Girls, the musical at all, Regina George, when she does the burn, when she does her final plan where she frames Katie for the burn book, she watch she sings a song called I want to watch the world burn. And uh, that's Azula. 
I do feel oh, like my the, musical heads out there. <laughs> the plastics are the like uh are the blueprint three. for the three of them to be Fully. this like I just yeah. Fully. Right. Well, I was going to say, though, it's very shades of be prepared from Lion King would be like sort of the recruitment thing of like lining up the villains. Um, mm. Right. Songs. There's never been a bad villain song to me. Exactly. Their camp. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, so, uh, so May is Gretchen. <laughs> Ty Lee is, is um, Karen and Azula is Regina George. I love it. I actually, and Duke goes Patty. <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> that makes total sense to me, honestly. Um, and I can't wait for that also to come from Avatar Studios. I'm, I'm ready. Hire me. Watching the show, like, if you're from the Fire Nation, why are you white? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very meta, yeah. So true. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, sadly they did not predict the whitewashing debacle of the actual movie. Um, yeah. So weird from a South Asian director, right? That uh, always blew my mind. I was like, "Well, we've been betrayed." <laughs> like truly, like Katara is like a fully like Aryan girl, <laughs> <laughs> and like, Sokka is Jackson Rathbone. <laughs> my god i just that's so funny because i just watched twilight last week for the first time since i don't know 2008 and i was like losing my mind and so now that i'm thinking about how the most charismatic one of the most charismatic characters in avatar was played by this vampire that does not speak literally can i say i don't know if this is a hot take in a series of like people not giving a shit about <laughs> doing a good job can, can I say Jackson Rathbone is the worst actor in all of that series? Can I say that? He just is very, very bad, like actively upsetting me every time he's on screen in those movies. Not because I don't like the character, but because he's not acting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's really it's really bizarre. I mean, it's like uh, Kristen Stewart. I'm like, I don't I she's so incredibly attractive. Like, it's unbelievable. But like, she's a bad actress beyond the writing in the in the Twilight series. And then Robert Pattinson is like really doing all that he can. <laughs> <laughs> and like very clearly like just taking direction and doing it. But like, you're right. Jackson's really not putting any effort in at all. It just like stands there like bug-eyed. They were obviously they were hoping for the Avatar movie to like be a success. And so like mm -hmm. they wanted him to be a part of like a main part of a trilogy of the like the new hopefully Harry Ron and Hermione like type of people and it's just like how is it him why him <laughs> the world will never know and I can't wait to see who who in the world is playing him in the live action Netflix version which presumably will also be a disaster yeah <laughs> Does anyone know about casting calls for that? Because I'd love to go out I, for that. I, I, I've not heard anything s since I heard that Brian and Mike left. So, like, I, I, yeah. I never heard of anything about casting or, like, who's doing what with who. Yeah, you're uh, right. I guess when I found out that Brian and Mike left, I was like, okay, well, sayonara. Yeah. <laughs> sayonara, but I will be watching the entire thing. Oh, oh totally. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's your next i'm assuming that now that you're reaching the end of this pod you'll you'll do a watch of that oh 
Well, we'll I'm sure we'll Not talk about it when it comes a out. But... Critics watch. Mm. <laughs> well, we have to critically watch Legend of Korra next. <laughs> oh my god, so true. All right, mm -hmm. I got episodes that I can go on for that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, um, yeah. Do we feel like we have fully explored the spoiler-free aspects of this episode? Yes. Yes. We are. Okay. Well, um, Michelle, do you want to quickly remind the people where to find you? Um, in our dearly departed uh, Maddie Smith. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, so true. Um, I'm Michelle Chan Bennett. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robot Noises, and you can find me on Twitter at Mishibe. So that's M E E S H I B E E. And um, Madison Smith, Maddie Smith, who is um my co-host of a sister pod to this, um, mm -hmm. which is the Hump with Michelle and Maddie, where we talk to comedians about their sexual awakenings. Um. Is available at Maddie zero six one nine on Instagram, and I believe still Maddie sucks with five X's um, <laughs> at the end of sucks <laughs> uh, on Twitter. Um, and she is funny, and you can find us both doing characters on Characters Welcome um, as well if you're interested in that. But check out our pod on Apple and Spotify. We love the pod. We love Michelle. We love Maddie. I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow my other podcast, That Word on the Streets, STR8S on Instagram and Twitter as well. You can find me at Rain Dirks on Twitter, and you can find us at Bitterger's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so, spoilers. I mean, all we have left to spoil is the finale. So... And I mean, this episode doesn't really do much in the way of foreshadowing other than like just telling us it's going to be Azula versus Zuko and Ozai versus Aang. Um, yeah, it sort of shows, I mean, it shows us like an alternate future that could occur. And Sokka does make that one joke where they're like, unless we're in the future right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, it's just um, showing the Fire Nation's ideal of what will happen next. Exactly. Um but uh, this obviously, though, uh, I talked to, I brought up the idea of a clip show before, um, and Cora does their own clip show, which um, it's like more of an actual clip show because yeah. they needed to save money for animation. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take, but I'll stand by that episode. It's a funny ass episode. I I remember it being funny. Um, obviously, would have loved it if they were able to do something on this grand spec. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Uh, this, <laughs> like, a grand spectacle? Yeah, the grand spectacle. Yeah. That's yes. what I was trying to say. I got you. Would have loved a full new episode rather than the like um, still good but chibi bubble pop in character commentary yeah. that they did, which was still which was like a creative idea. Um, but that's what the other thing that I was thinking of too, where they, they like that's their other like little meta moment. Exactly. Yeah. Um... I, I I don't know, but it's like what a like would they just do a play again? I don't know. Um, they, but, well, they did do a bunch of like movies in chorus. Yeah, so that's like the thing that they would do probably. Yeah, a mover. Which yeah. Is Tales from Bossing Say a mad episode? No, it's just kind of a. It's kind of just like not on form. Yeah, like yeah, it's, it's like a break from form. format. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I it's yeah, it's interesting that they didn't go for like the full like ooh, here this is going to be really significant in yeah. the finale after you see, like I do like that they still like, maintain that sort of mystery going into it. Mm -hmm. Um 
yeah. And not just the mystery of it, but that they did just like have a full break of the tension to make something that's completely not story focused at all and just like give us a little break, a little laugh before they get into the thick of this like 90 minute movie to wrap things up. Yeah. I mean, it was such a good way to kind of check back in with all the characters. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, we talk about, you know, it's Aang's love triangle, but Aang's main conflict right now is that he doesn't know if he can be the avatar, if he has the connection to Katara, if he has this kind of earthly connection, right? He can't really enter that mystic space that he feels like he needs to, um, to, to face off with the fire alert. So it's kind of just like this, we don't really address that at all. You know what I mean? But it's like in these petty terms, but like that's, that's his main conflict right now heading into the finale. Um, And then Zuko's main conflict is just like, he's made so many mistakes. Is he going to make a mistake tomorrow? And like, what, what if he can't defeat his sister? Um, He's going to have to see her again or whatever. Um, And he wants to do his uncle proud. Right. Definitely. I love this. I love this episode and I never, I didn't think about it until right now because we see the characters respond to their own character arcs or in like a little bit of like a funhouse mirror way for some of them, but it does, it is nice to watch them watch themselves from like three seasons ago, like we all have. And like, and especially for me going back and watching after all this time, like it, it, it well, I did feel that way when I was like watching the first couple episodes being like, oh my God, they're so different. Like these, they're just little kids and they don't know anything about anything. And now they're getting to do that too about themselves. Great stuff. It is, yeah. And it's almost like, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know, like the, like the creators are sort of thinking like maybe people leading up to the finale would be rewatching the whole series. So it's like, it would make sense that you would kind of have this little treat here right at the very end to be like, yeah, we're here with you. Like, let's all just take a moment to think back about how long this journey has been and where yeah. all these characters have been and where they're going to be. Um, it's yeah, it's a comedy episode, but like just the idea itself is like very, um, I don't know, touching in a way. <laughs> like it makes me a little sad to think like, this is it. We're about to hit the point of no return. If I ever write a series, I'm going to make sure the penultimate episode is just like Ember, whatever this is called. The players. The Ember Island players. Ember, yeah. Ember yeah. Island. Okay. I was like, Ember yeah. City. Uh, <laughs> Ember Island players. A shot, no, yeah, a yeah. shot remake of Ember Island players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to make sure that I have um, six <laughs> characters. Um, each one gets checked in on. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. I mean, uh, to draw a parallel to a show, I'm sure like five people listening will understand this reference, but <laughs> Revolutionary Girl Utena, which is an anime by a guy who worked on Sailor Moon. So it's like exploring a lot of themes similar to that. But they're, like in one of the very, very last episodes of the whole show, they also do like this sort of shadow play that's like um, not quite like, it's not like this level where it's like, we're going to show you everything that's happened before, but it's more like uh, talking about the events of the show, but from in like the framework of like a, f- um, like a fantasy of like p- dragons and princesses and knights and stuff. Um, and so I, I, I've just always loved this idea of like theater as like a mirror to like the actual events going on for the characters and the characters can kind of experience, like we said, what we're experiencing as viewers, which is like watching this story unfold in front of us. Um, It's just a cool idea in general. 
Speaking as a non-theater gay. (laughs) Yeah, you weren't really jumping in with your uh, musical ideas earlier. Could not uh, (laughs) name (laughs) Chorus Line. Who's she? Which one is Chorus Line? Um, Do you know the song? One singular sensation. Every little step that she takes. Nope. Well, if you didn't recognize it from me singing it, then you definitely don't know it. No. That was spot on. Um, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, I, I, yeah. Um, it takes I, all types. You don't need to be musical theater, you know. Hey, I do know that song. It takes all sorts from Land Before Time 3, 4. Famous, the one where... Famously not a staged musical. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that wasn't, they didn't film the dinosaurs for that? <laughs> Wait, huh? <laughs> A chorus line is a little bit like this play where each is meta in the sense that it's like you're watching an audition for a musical and each character has their own song to talk about why they are in the arts, why they do what they do. And so it's a little bit like Ember City play, (laughs) Ember City Islanders in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Is there also firebending in that? Kind uh, of. Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> In many ways. In oh. many ways, yes. In certain That's ways. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm sold. Um, All right. Well, <laughs> um, any other, I guess, thoughts uh, before we say goodbye to the all of the show, I guess, pretty much, before yeah. the finale? I really want to eat fire gummies. Yeah. Oh, True. do we think those were, um, had some, like, THC in them? Like, what's a, what's a fire gummy? Um, I think that they were, like, watermelon. They were, like, okay, here's what I'm picturing. Watermelon sour patches covered mm. in, like, chili, like, sweet chili crystallized, mm. um, like, you know, yeah. cover, coating. That makes sense to me. Like a spicy ha- and then the tart sweet. Jalapeno flavored, like, Swedish fish or something. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's definitely something sweet and spicy which is my favorite flavor combination or maybe it's just like chewy red hots or something that's what i was gonna say i was thinking like it's like big red gum but Mm. in gummy form or something (laughs) yeah you know the spiciest thing you could ever have Mm -hmm. red gum yeah (laughs) this is the most this is the they basically did a pyramus and thisbe in midsummer night's dream in a kid's show and set up the finale perfectly that's what they did. And they gave us a gorgeous low stakes moment. It was such a good, it was just such a good imb- like embodiment of a, making this a good show for kids, but trusting their audience to read into it well and to like be smart enough to like empathize with the characters and like question things um, while giving them the the levity of a, of a cartoon. It's just, and- it's, it's heaven. And mm-hmm. to empathize with the fans. Like, they're like, in this episode, they're like, we're listening. We've heard you this whole time. We do know what you're saying about the show, and we're putting it into the show. Uh, it's just a great group hug moment for everybody. Group hug. That's it what is. this is. To bring we're it all in, guys. Ember yeah. City Islander players. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's what love they were it. going for. Yeah. I love totally. that. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us. Do you want to remind so people honored. where to find you? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mishibi, M-E-E-S-H-I-B-E-E, and at Robot Noises on IG. And my podcast, The Hump with Michelle and Maddie, is available on Apple and Spotify every Thursday. Beautiful. I'm at SimStanish on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Word on the Straits, STR8S, Instagram and Twitter. Also on Thursdays. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And I think think I'm going to be on the live show for the finale. Oh yeah, we haven't really discussed. We haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, our plan—it's okay. Hey, our plan this is, is <laughs> this is the spoiler section. That's of true. The plan for the finale: we're doing a one-on-one recap, just me and Derek, and then also an episode where we've invited all of our wonderful guests back to uh, come and talk with us about their thoughts on the whole show. Can't wait! So mm-hmm. excited! Thank you for having me again. Yes. Uh, you can find uh, me at Reindeerks on Twitter. You can find us at Bitterders Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, thank you, Michelle. And thank you, everyone, for listening. See you all for the grand finale next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.